0: Thanks for listening to the Unlocking Athletes podcast, presented by EAX Athlete Academy, where we dive into youth sports and everything that comes with it. I'm your host, Nate Woodruff, Athlete Academy Director and General Manager of Evolution Athletics Gym in West End, North Carolina. Today, I'm very excited to have Carlos Colazzo on the podcast. I've known Carlos since 2010, when he was a sophomore in high school playing baseball. Over the years, we've become good friends, and it's been awesome to see him grow into success doing something he loves to do. Carlos is now the lead writer for Baseball America, focusing most of his attention on the Major League Baseball draft. He watches thousands of high school and college players each year, talking to scouts, coaches, and team management about the potential of high school and college baseball players to play at the professional level. You'll also see him on MLB Network and ESPN during draft coverage. In this episode, we dive into the idea of early sports specialization. We talk about some of the things that he sees separates good players and great players, and lastly, we talk about some of the benefits and pitfalls of the club and travel baseball circuits, and really what to look out for as a player or a parent. Thanks for listening, and hope you enjoy episode three of Unlocking Athletes. So we're here with Carlos Colazzo. Um,
1: excited to talk with him. He and I have been connected. since 2010. Yeah. Is that about right? That seems right. I think it was my sophomore year in high school, and you came and uh, started coaching over yeah. at Southern Lehigh. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. So he was
0: a shortstop on the JV team at that point. Yeah. I was the JV head coach that year, and then varsity assistant. Um, so it was cool to see uh, kind of him grow up through that. Got to coach him all through high school and baseball. Um, finally got him to play football his senior year. Yeah. You forced me into football. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, so he had a really good season uh, as a football player, which was cool to see, uh, played receiver for me. But I think we always had a pretty good connection from the get-go. Um, I feel like we kind of see the world the same way for the most part. Um, we're both very sarcastic, so we got along well from there. Um, but I think, I think the biggest thing that I've always kind of taken away from you has been, like, you're very competitive, um, you treat people the right way, and you've been very coachable. And I think those like those three things are things that I look for, not just in like kids that I coach, but like humans, yeah. right? And just, I think that was kind of where we connected and um, I'll let you kind of introduce yourself and your background and yeah. um, kind of what happened after high school and what led
1: you to what you're doing now. Yeah. So I don't know how far back you want me to go, but um, <laughs> birth. <laughs> <laughs> no, yeah. So I always played baseball since we're talking about sports for the most part. I always played baseball really throughout my whole life. It was the only sport I ever really wanted to play. Um, Did that growing up through high school. Um, And, yeah, just knew that I wanted to do something with sports after school. I realized like probably had an opportunity to play at a small school for baseball. Uh, I had one D3 offer that I could take in. And then I remember distinctly having a conversation with Coach Miller, who was the the head varsity coach, Uh, me and one of my buddies, Connor. We were both on the, the varsity team senior year. He was talking to us about potential landing spots for for baseball, and he was like, you know, it's, it's not a big school, but it's another four years of baseball, and I remember distinctly when he said that, I don't think he, it landed the way he expected it to land, because I was like, well, I, I don't want just four more years yeah. of baseball, like, I want to find a way to stay involved in the sport after the fact, and that kind of led me to going to UNC, pursuing um, a career around the game that wasn't necessarily playing, but writing, um, so for those of you who don't know, I work for a company called Baseball America. I cover the MLB draft, uh, and so I'm watching a lot of high school baseball prospects, college baseball prospects, talking with scouts, uh, and so that's kind of what I'm doing now. But I don't know what direction you want to head initially or immediately, but that's kind of kind of what I'm doing now.
0: Yeah. So yeah. So it's kind of neat. You get to see kind of the the whole process of it, hmm. uh, which is interesting to me because I think baseball is very different than like any other sport as far as yeah. kind of the path to. The path of the game, right, as far as going from youth to middle school, high school, college pro. Mm-hmm. Um, it's very different, but there's also kind of some strands of similarity. Um, what, like, what would you say are some of the things that that college coaches or that pro coaches or whatever see that kind of hold kids back or what, like, like what, what are the differentiating factors, I guess, between kids that make it and kids that don't?
1: Yeah, that's a good question. I mean, I think, first of all, it's important to know just, like, the the rate of players who are going on to the next level like the percentages of players like it's it's very few obviously talent is is the first one like you have to be talented to play at the next level but i think what i've what i've kind of learned after watching a lot of elite high school players and i think it's probably useful to talk about the high school players because i think that's where you see the most separation in kind of the elite athletes or the athletes who are going to play after high school is just the work ethic and anyone can have talent but the separator when you're with a bunch of talented people on the same field is how much you're willing to put in off the field um when everyone's done working when you're done with practice like what are the reps you're getting and i think like looking back at my career like thinking about the things we did like we all really liked baseball we were competitive but i don't think there was this awareness of like what all the best players were doing to get better like if i could go back like taking more seriously, uh, lifting, nutrition, like just my work and just hitting uh, like outside of practice. Like yeah. all of these elite athletes have a very specific plan of what they're doing, what their goals are, uh, what they're doing throughout the year. Um, and it's it's not enough just to be good on the field and then kind of call yeah. it a wrap once you're done. So I think the like the intentionality of how these kids take their – their training is, is maybe the biggest separator. Um, because especially with baseball, it's such a skill-driven sport. Um, pure athleticism is only going to get you so far. Right. In baseball, I think there are other sports where maybe that can take you a little bit further. Yeah. Um, but with baseball, I think you have to be very intentional about like the training you're doing and, and what the reps you're getting and, and how you're treating your body. I mean, the treating your body thing is probably, it tracks with all sports. Yeah. But I, I think that is probably the biggest difference for me. Um, and just seeing, like, these kids treat it like a job at yeah. this point. And I think that's it's probably a key mental switch you need to realize at some point if you do want to play at the next level. And if you don't, that's fine. Like, there are plenty of athletes in the country who, who just enjoy the game and they right. m- maybe have no intentions to play longer, and, and that's fine too. But if you do want to be serious about it, um, just being very intentional about what you're doing away from games or away from the season, yeah. I think is really important. Yeah, I think one of the things I try to preach to,
0: like, my athletes that I work with is like if you're if you're doing practice and you're doing team workouts and you're doing games, like mm-hmm. everyone's doing that. Exactly, like, you're not getting any kind of advantage on anybody by doing that yeah. stuff. Um, so yes, yeah, so that's where nutrition and that's where training and that's where performance stuff, like <laughs> that's where all of that stuff
1: kind of. I remember, like when when we were playing. I'd say we were a pretty average North Carolina high school baseball talent. We weren't we weren't great. We weren't terrible. Yeah. We were pretty solid. And I remember thinking, like, oh, if you're if you're taking practice seriously, that's the people who really care. Right. That is like that's like the very that's, yeah. that's the baseline. That's the baseline. Yeah. That's where it should start. And like what we were eating and drinking at the time. Like I remember our entire team was living off AMP energy drinks. Yes, in that. <laughs> like, and coaches. I, I can't yeah. imagine that was uh, beneficial for us, but you know.
0: Yeah, no, that's a thousand percent correct. Um, yeah, I mean, it, it's so crazy to talk to some like kids and parents now. Like, I'll have, I'll have kids and parents come in and talk to me about like how dedicated their kid is, and they're like, they didn't miss a game last year. <laughs> a game? Yeah. What? Like he went to every practice. Yeah. Like
1: well, That's as what he's supposed to do. Yeah, like, as if what? that is like we're clearing a very high bar, right? Yeah. Like
0: and. I mean, I don't know what the reasoning is. I don't know why it's that way. Mm-hmm. Um, like, that may be a cultural thing that's kind of evolving, but
1: mm-hmm.
0: I mean, I don't ever remember that even being an option. Like,
1: yeah. when I was growing up. No, um, I, I do. It is. It is. It's very clear when you talk about not even the top high school players, just the. Like, we rank. So we rank 500 players for each draft year. And of that group, there's probably 200 to 230 high school players. And just seeing how. Like, what they're doing is far beyond just showing up yeah. every day. Um, yeah, it's, it's pretty intense. So, you're just, so out of 500 kids, you've got almost half of them are high school kids? Yeah, so the way the MLB draft works, there'll be a, a probably 70% of the players who sign will come out of the college ranks, um, and that has to do with, like, the financials of MLB's draft system. MLB's draft is a bit different than NBA and NFL, um, where those are, are entirely college-driven, but for the... MLB draft, you can come out of high school, uh, you can come out of college, and so for the high school kids, they have a little bit of unique leverage compared to the college players, because if they don't get drafted in a range or offered a signing bonus that they think is, is worth what, what they need to sign for, they always have the option to go to college, right. come back in the draft three years. For the college players who are getting selected if you say no to wherever you're going, you have significantly less leverage the next year when you come back. Right. Um, And so the high school players, once you get out of the elite tier, it becomes very hard um, to sign these high school players because a lot of them value college highly. They know they'll have a chance to improve their stock or maintain their stock uh, and come out three years later when there's less risk for the teams, when they're a little bit closer. So, uh, I think once you get out of like the top five rounds or so, the amount of high school players who are going to be drafted each year goes down significantly, just because they're not in a assignable range. Yeah. Um, yeah. So we, I would say right now on our our 500 list, we have currently, I think there are, it's a, typically a little less than half of the list is made of high school, and then the rest is four year and JUCO players. Okay. So, if, so
0: typically, if you're a high school kid, unless you're a freakazoid, you're not going straight to the show. You're going. Probably yeah. going to college or junior college. Or yeah, something they're
1: they're always an elite group of of high school players, like a Bobby Witt Jr. who was drafted a few years ago, who was like a, a freak. He had all yeah. the tools. Like he grew up around the game. His dad was a big leaguer. Like there are always some elite guys who who are just so supremely gifted and talented yeah. um, that they kind of buck the trend. But I'd say it's much more typical for a high school player uh, to go to the college route and then come out three yeah. years after, or two years, depending on your age. Yeah, so that's it.
0: It's a definitely a different system, um, like than any other sport, which mm-hmm. is unique. Because um, now, like with the NBA, you're starting to see like G League guys get drafted, and you're starting to yeah. see the overtime elite guys get drafted, and so it's kind of interesting. Is that the,
1: they had two twins this past yeah, year. Yeah, four or five. Team? Okay, it's crazy. Yeah.
0: So a buddy of mine actually runs that facility. Oh wow. In Atlanta. Yeah. Um, so he he was texting me about them. Um. But yeah, so it, the baseball thing is kind of interesting to me. Um, because I think it is one of those sports where it is super skill-driven, um, like mm-hmm. you said. Um, so what I try to tell most of my kids, especially the younger ones, like I have a pretty good group of like 9 to 13, 14-year-olds that yeah. come in that play multiple sports. Um, and we always try to talk about, like, hey, if I can make you a better athlete, you're going to be better at your sport, yeah. even in a skill-driven sport, because if I take an athletic person and try to teach them a new skill, yeah. it's much easier for them to pick up a new skill rather than – a non-athlete absolutely um so yeah so there's still like a a high premium on athleticism i think for any sport
1: and the way that scouts view multi-sport athletes for baseball specifically too they they talk about them in a different way you can project a lot more on an athlete who is a good baseball player because you were talking about that athletic foundation that you have there's just much more room for them in the future as they come into more physicality as they get those additional reps like I feel like it almost gives you, like, a higher floor to reach uh, whatever your innate talent is. I don't know how much people might believe in, like, what you're born with versus right. what you work for. Um, that athleticism is just going to give you – I think it offers you, like, a greater margin for error, if anything. Like, yeah. if you can increase your athleticism, you still have to be able to hit the baseball, and that's very sure. skill-driven. Um, but if, if you're stronger uh, and you hit the baseball, you miss it a little bit, you have a much greater margin for error in terms of just getting a hit versus right. – someone who's very weak like I was in high school uh, and if you miss hit the ball you're you're grounding out or you're yeah. popping up so you better be really fast. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, no, I think that's that's
0: probably the biggest thing that that I have to fight or that I try to fight mm-hmm. um, is that like early sport specialization stuff. Um which like, yeah. People point to certain athletes and it's like, oh, well, it worked for Tiger Woods and it worked for Michael Phelps
1: and it's like, yeah. well, all right. But what about the other? You can't pick the outliers, right? Like if unless you're that outlier talent, that's a hard, it's hard to replicate. Yeah. Um, so that's the biggest thing that I try to
0: like focus on is like a, the the base of athleticism is much higher. You're mm-hmm. around different demographics of people too mm-hmm. right like I'm sure I mean you probably saw this when you played there's a very different group of people that play baseball than played football absolutely right so you're around a different group of people I think it makes you a better human being overall yeah. um, but you're around different coaches different leadership styles different mm-hmm. um, you know groups of of leaders on the team and I think there's a lot of value of like being able to handle all those things and yeah. I'm sure college and pro coaches see that and like
1: Want kids to have experienced more of that? Absolutely. I've never, I've never talked to a scout or a coach who heard about a, a baseball player they liked being a multi-sport athlete and being disappointed that they didn't focus more on baseball. Right. It is always a, a positive perception. They're excited to get that multi-sport athlete for all the reasons that you're mentioning, and I think like for baseball specifically, and this might be the case for other sports, but just avoiding overuse injuries. Um, like if you're a multi-sport athlete, you're you're not going to be as susceptible to overuse injuries right. in baseball obviously pitching is probably the the number one culprit for baseball when you're thinking about overuse injuries but i think even with swings like there are a lot of youth athletes who are getting like stress fractures and, and overuse injuries in their back just because they're constantly swinging yeah. about there's no off season it's like a thousand swings a constantly playing games yeah. and i think in america too our culture specifically so with baseball there are a lot of players that come out of the international markets the dominican republic the biggest difference in, in baseball played over there and baseball played over here is they're very practice oriented and we are very game oriented yes. and competitive oriented. And I think there are pros and cons to both, but ideally you'd have a, a nice mix Yeah. Um, because here you, you might become a better hitter because you're playing in a lot of game scenarios. You're facing a lot of competitive pitchers on the travel ball circuit, um, but you're also really taking a toll on your body physically yeah. because you don't have, the time to recover uh you're not working on maybe the more nuances of of your skills defensively like there are a lot of things that you're missing out on if you're just constantly playing game 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 yeah um and just thinking back to like my like what i did when i played i I was just playing games constantly i I never really focused on strength training or or just very intentional practice and i think that we could probably use a little bit more of that in, in the youth baseball arena here in the states yeah for sure um yeah, I think that's a really interesting, interesting point about
0: how they do it differently internationally. Mm-hmm. Um, but you're absolutely right; like we are very game focused, mm-hmm. and I think baseball is one of those sports where you're only going to get, in my opinion, you're only going to get marginally better by playing. Yeah, um, because it is so skill driven. Like if you have a bad swing or a swing flaw and you play just a thousand games a year, you're just mm-hmm. ingraining your bad habits. Yes. Um, as opposed to like, Hey, let's fix this. Let's mm-hmm. tweak whatever we need to tweak and then let's go try to play. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, so I think that's a huge issue. And I listened to a podcast, I don't know, probably earlier this week that was talking about like these parents of like nine and 10 year old kids. And they're so concerned with like, them winning the weekend tournament as a nine-year-old, yeah, and it's like, what? I mean, that's a who problem. cares, right? Like, let's look at this in a long-term development sense, where, yeah, like small example, like my six-year-old played basketball this year for the first time. Mm-hmm. Hilarious, she did great. <laughs> um, yeah, but what was her national ranking? In the country? Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, she wasn't like, and she's not the the most skilled kid, not the most athletic kid yet. Yeah, um, and I told her coach that I was like, listen. I was not going to be the greatest basketball player you've ever seen. Yeah. But she will do exactly what you tell her to do. Mm -hmm. And she did. But we would have stuff like, hey, at this game, when we play, uh, when you bring the ball up the court, dribble it left-handed. Yeah. Like, I don't care if you dribble it off your foot out of bounds, like just dribble it Mm left-handed up the court. And it's like, she may turn it over. I don't care. Like, I want her to be able to dribble left-handed when she's 14, not when she's six. Yeah. The results are irrelevant at this stage. Um, But there's so many parents and Coaches that are so involved with like, God, we got to win this tournament. Like, yeah. As a nine year old, they're giving
1: out rings and stuff, and I'm like, this
0: kid's ten. Like, what are we? What I are
1: think we doing? that's a real problem with baseball specifically. And and if if I'm talking too much specifically about baseball, just let me no, know. But good. that's just kind of where I'm I'm coming from here. But I think with how popular and how omnipresent the travel ball scene is, um, that's kind of led to it. And and I think everyone is really competitive, and everyone wants their kids to be the best. And when you have travel ball leagues and organizations that are putting all these tournaments out there and everyone wants to win and you can see the metrics for your kid yeah. versus another kid and then you have national averages. like What's the money that's going into it? 100%. The money is something that you can't separate with baseball right now, which, which I think is a real problem. And I know there are some organizations that are like trying to get involved and help out in that regard because... Um, And in some sense, like, you need to play travel ball and baseball to get seen. But also there's there's a big difference between the valuable events and overkill and just going to events to go to events. Um, But, yeah, I think when we're talking about people before they get to high school, like, even if you want to just start at high school – and start caring about some of the results and some of the metrics like that would be a good step forward from where we are now. Yeah. Um. But but caring about like a, a ranking for your team or a championship for your team or how hard your kid is throwing at age nine, I think, is really detrimental to the space overall and to your kids specifically because you could lead to injuries. Yeah. You could lead to the kid not wanting to play the sport anymore. Like right. there are a lot of kids who get burnt out because, I mean, we we've seen it. We've all seen the overbearing baseball dad and i think oh, the yeah. baseball dad specifically is yeah. one that gets a bad rap because it just <laughs> like we all know that it's person. just so common so yeah at that age it seems like you just want to encourage your kid to to have fun and to like the game and to learn some of the fundamentals yeah. and go from there um but there there should be no need to to stack up medals and, yeah. and attributes and traits when you're 10 years old <laughs> right
0: and that same that same podcast he was talking about like he's like how many how many people out there have like, we've seen pitch in a Little League World Series and then pitch in a Major League Baseball game. Yeah. And I, I don't know the percentage. I bet it's less than 1%. Yeah, that, that seems like a safe bet. <laughs> uh, and it's like, well, these are the best, like, kids at 10 years old. He was the best pitcher mm-hmm. in the world or whatever. Yeah. Right? And now he's not good enough to play in the Major League. And it's like, well, he probably either got hurt or burned out.
1: Yeah, exactly. Um, and, and people just develop at different stages. Like, we always have... Like, so any time I go into the summer season and, and start watching a new draft class, there are always some players who have kind of developed a reputation throughout their high school careers as being like the best players. And, and sometimes, I would say most of the time, the very top players are probably the top players, but there are always a few kids who just developed earlier and got more physical sooner, and then everyone else just catches up at a later state. So yeah. you definitely have to just take in mind that people develop at different stages and not everyone is going to be as physical at in eighth grade as maybe a few years later yeah so let's kind of dive into that camp side of things or
0: Mm -hmm. camp travel all that kind of stuff like if i'm a yeah let's say a rising freshman going into high school right like if i'm desire to play the college level Mm -hmm. in baseball is it a combination of camps what travel team you play on which camps you go to um Mm -hmm. like
1: what what does that process look like? Where do they get those looks? Like how does that work? I would say in terms of in terms of exposure, and, and this is part of why I think the industry has some problems, is you do get a lot of exposure from going to travel ball tournaments and events because if you think about it from a college recruiter's perspective, like a college coach is looking to fill his team, he is going to get much more bang for his buck if he's going to a travel ball tournament where there are a lot of talented players than maybe the old model where they kind of know their area, they go to high school games, they yep. have connections with high school coaches. So it's definitely true that you have a better chance to get seen at these events. Um, at the same time, like uh, if you are going to events and you've been told by event organizers that you're getting exposure for college coaches and you don't see those college coaches there, like you might want to think about like where you're spending your money right? Um, and, and what the real value is. I think... It's generally true that the college coaches uh, and scouts in general are going to find you wherever you're at. They're all looking for elite talents. Yeah. Like that's their job. Uh, so they're not just limited to a perfect game or a PBR yeah. event. So it, it's hard to say that like, you're not going to get some value if you're intentional and smart about the events you're going to. But I think in general, um, if you have a high school coach who is connected and is doing his job well, uh, he should also be providing opportunities for you to get seen yeah. at the next level. If if you know that your goal is to play at the college level, like communicate that with whoever your high school coach is, and ask him, like, what are the camps I can be going to locally? Who are the colleges that I should be looking at? Like, your high school coach should have a better idea of like your talent level, what the potential possibilities are. Um, but at the same time, travel ball is. Um, it's a solid value for players if you get with a good program who does things well and is not just trying to make money off a bunch right. of kids with their A, B, C, yeah. D, E, and F teams. Right. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so I think there's a there's a space for all of it. It's more about like creating balance uh, and making sure that you're taking care of your body and, and you're not just going to every tournament because it's there. Yeah. Um, maybe that's kind of like a general overview. No, I think that's good. Um, I think it's probably
0: situational yeah. too. Like if you're in a... I don't know, California or Texas or somewhere that's like a high density population of mm-hmm. good baseball talent mm-hmm. then it's probably
1: not as critical maybe that you play on a travel team because you are playing those kids at high school anyway yeah I think that's a good call too because maybe the biggest benefit of travel ball is you have a chance to play against better players depending on where you're at like you said yeah. like California Florida Texas those three are annually the, the the biggest producers of baseball talent yeah in the draft um yeah that's where most of the just because in those states it's southern you can play year-round like right the, there's just a lot the population density is a major factor like if you're in an area where the like you're better than than all of your high school teammates and the people you're playing against like you are going to lose something if you're not challenging yourself and playing yeah. higher up so I think that's probably the single biggest advantage of travel ball is you have a chance to face better competition and you're the only way you're really going to get better is if you're constantly challenging yourself against better opponents. So yeah, yeah. If you're in if you're in a really high talent area, you don't necessarily need to. And I think it's also true, now that you say that, every year in California there are players who pop up in the spring for me, like like on the national scene who are going to get drafted in the top three rounds. These guys weren't on the travel circuit because yeah. they didn't need to be. Like right. they were doing other things and and there's still plenty good enough to draw the attention from scouts and those guys are going to circle around and see them during their high school season. So yeah. you will get found if you're, if you're good enough to play sure. at the next level. Um, but yeah, having, having the context and knowing like where you're at and what you need to be doing yeah. for your competition level is a good point. Yeah. And I mean,
0: even to the point of like who your coaches, right? Mm-hmm. Like, I mean, they just in the conference that you play in, you had some coaches that were super high level dudes. And then some yeah. that were just like, absolutely a dad that was out there. Cause they didn't have anybody else to coach. <laughs> mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, so I think the connection level of your coach, um, but it also probably depends on like, like you're, again, you're elite guys like you're talking about are going to get found. Like those D1 kids are going to get found, but yeah. you got a whole another group that's D2, D3 that like, mm-hmm. there's a lot of opportunities out there for those kids and they may not get seen absolutely unless they have, you know, a travel team or a coach or something that is like helping them get that look. Mm-hmm. Um, cause really, I mean,
1: correct me if I'm wrong, but I would say North Carolina baseball is probably not. Elite. Overall. No, I think in in there's terms, of the, that are, I think, in terms like, of the entire country, I'd say it's probably near average ish. Um, there are some areas like depending on where you're at. Like if you're in the Charlotte area, there's some good baseball there. If yeah. you're in like Eastern North Carolina, it could be hit or miss. Like, yeah, the I'd say the elite states are most of the southern ones: Southern California, Texas, Florida, Georgia is very good. Um, and then once you get out of those states, it, it really varies just depending on kind of like. Yeah. The county you're in, the conference that you're in, um, but the further north you go, the trickier it gets, just because weather. Weather, yeah. yeah. Just, it's an outdoor sport, so yeah. I mean, when you're starting your high school season in April, it's a little trickier right. than yeah. the California kids who are doing getting rolling yeah, in, in January. January.
0: Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, I think that's that's interesting. I remember, like, I think the travel ball thing really started to hit, like, when I was coming through, mm. or that's kind of when it started. Yeah. Right. Like two thousand
1: three, four, five. Yep. That's um, exactly right. That's when Perfect Game really started getting big, and I yeah. think they were one of the first big travel ball and, like, showcase runners. Yeah. Um, and then, like, really started heating up in the late 2000s, and now it kind of seems like... Everywhere. Every Like, initially it seemed like, too, it was, like, the elite players, your better players are doing travel ball, and now it's, like, if you want to play travel ball, you can. Right. Which I think is right. good. that's like, the other piece, yeah. Yeah, like, like if you want to do that, like... So I remember when I... So East Cobb started right
0: when I <laughs> was in probably, like... It had to be like freshman or sophomore, maybe before that, yeah, maybe like late middle school for me. Um, but I remember literally like after every game, the East Cobb like coaches or whatever would like stand outside the dugout and they'd pull like three kids aside and be yeah. like, You, 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 come play East Cobb baseball, yeah. Um, and I remember they pulled me aside one day and like where they're talking to my parents and me, and they were like, Yeah, it's gonna be like six thousand dollars a year, and blah blah blah. My <laughs> dad was like, It's gonna be what? <laughs> <laughs> it's gonna be enough for us, yeah, it's gonna be you gotta pick somebody else, <laughs> yeah. Um, but it's like now that's the standard, mm-hmm. um, and and truthfully, like as a parent now, like if there was a program that did it the right way, like mm-hmm. I would much rather invest six thousand dollars into a program that, hey, we're gonna play in whatever three tournaments a year, mm-hmm. and then we're gonna pra- we're gonna do these practices, we're gonna do these workouts. Like, yeah, I would invest into that, you know. But yeah. I just to practice one day a week and then play six games on a weekend. Like, I don't. It's not worth it for me.
1: Yeah, I think that people early on anyway for sure. I think that you have to be doing a lot of like research into the organization. If you're looking to get involved in this and like, what is the value? Talk to people who have been through the program before. Like, do they regret doing it? Do they live around? Like, because, because it is such a money making business. There are a lot of people who are involved that are involved to make money. Yeah. And so you need to be aware of like what the goals are, what the program is. Like you're saying, like, what is your money actually going towards, um, and avoiding, yeah, like kids want to play in tournaments and parents like, a lot of parents who just want to see their kids win things, so right. you don't want to get trapped in that situation where you're just traveling around hunting trophies at the expense of like your development or your enjoyment of the yeah. sport. Yeah, I've, I've talked
0: to—I don't remember if it was volleyball or basketball—but um but some parent was like, "Yeah, we're, you know, we're paying it was like twenty five hundred dollars a year, mm-hmm. and and that literally just paid for like their jersey and like and the event practice fee. time, yeah, yeah, and then like yeah, and the event fee to get in the tournament. Yeah, I was like, so you still have to pay for all your food. Shoes, like all your
1: travel hotels, they're like, yeah, and I was like, that's, I mean, that's you have to have another job to do that. Yeah, one hundred percent. I don't, not, and also I think this is where it comes back to being like an issue. is like there are a lot of kids who probably deserve to be playing in these these leagues or these travel ball tournaments or want to play and just like don't have the means to, and so I think it's really important for just in the space for baseball to create ways for for people who are coming from underprivileged backgrounds to be able to participate because you don't want your sport to become just a rich kid's sport right. and I really yep. think that like for baseball uh, there are a lot of like it's That's going majority, in that direction yeah. uh, a lot and I don't think it's great like we're, we're losing really good athletes to other sports like in the states uh, basketball and football specifically I think college scholarships is a big reason for that too but yeah certainly the, the high cost of entry for travel ball uh, is a large factor there too yeah yeah I mean a thousand percent like it doesn't
0: cost anything to play football yeah you know or um, basketball even yeah. if you want to play it get a ball and go play. right yeah <laughs> yeah um yeah i mean you got the equipment and all the stuff too that's so much mm-hmm. there's so much more involved yeah um rather than just putting on a pair of shoes and exactly. walking
1: to the basketball court and going and hoping, yeah yeah
0: um yeah i think it's interesting i don't know what like the, f- the future of it looks like um i don't like sadly i don't think it's going to get better Like, I think it's just going to get worse. I don't know how it gets turned around.
1: I think the one, if you want, like a glimmer of hope, like the one, I think part of the reason that it's gotten so bad and it's gotten so young is because college recruiting just got younger and younger and younger. As teams were competing to get the best talents, they would go a year earlier uh, because if you waited, they're going to be committed to LSU when they're in the ninth grade. Right. Um, And I think there are some changes to the college system that is going to help alleviate that issue. The transfer portal being in baseball specifically, a lot of coaches are focusing on the transfer portal because you can go find a player who wants to leave their school and can be an immediate impact in your program. And you have a much larger degree of certainty of like what their role is going to be and that they're going to impact your program immediately. And there are also some rules uh, on the NCAA side of trying to restrict um, college recruiting at younger ages and different dead periods. So, like, I think there's an awareness that the college recruiting has gotten too young, and I'm hopeful that if if it becomes the norm that you're not committing until your junior or senior year of high school, yeah. rather than eighth and ninth grade right. that we see now, that might help 13-year-old. alleviate it. If, but that's not going to change unless like parents realize that if you are initially going to these camps and these events because you want to get college recruiting exposure, if that's not happening. You Probably should stop going to those events right. or stop paying for it. Yeah. Um, so hopefully that can help mitigate it. But yeah, there are still a lot of issues that need to be solved. Yeah. And I think that's that's
0: every sport. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So that that's like I said, that's kind of the battle that I'm trying to fight and figure out how to like how to put together a program that like is effective for the kids. Mm-hmm. It is a business, so you have to find a way to make some money. Yeah.
1: Um, especially if you want you have coaches. to be able to pay the yeah you want to be able to pay yeah. the coaches to to do a good job if you're if you're not making any money, the good coaches are going to go find something else to do right. where they can like actually do what they want to do for a living. So yeah. there needs to be some sort of balance. Yeah. I don't know if it's just like, like I think there are a lot of opportunities for like scholarships, but then you have to have third party organizations who can help provide it, those yeah. and want to do those. So yeah, it is, it is tricky to kind of find that balance. Um, Cause you're right. I think if you, if you have people that are actually going to do a good job, like it's going to cost. Pay them. Yeah. 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 So that, I mean, that's the, <clears throat> that's the issue again with every
0: sport, I think, mm-hmm. um, i think like i said i think earlier baseball is probably the worst right now as far as like just the amount of games and the amount of stuff that it takes yeah um but volleyball's similar basketball similar football unfortunately is starting to get that way yeah um yeah i think it all goes back to like the as far as the kids go i think it goes back to the multi-sport thing and just being Mm -hmm. able to get away from the sport for a little bit yeah um so trying to develop some sort of training system where like yeah they're still going to get seen but they're also going to get stronger and faster mm-hmm. and they're also going to be able to get their skill work in and they're going to be able to play multiple sports um but figuring out a way to put all of that together for a multi-sport athlete is like impossible. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> at this I mean, point like trying to figure it out, yeah, how to do it the right way where you're benefiting the kid but you're also
1: like I said running a business and doing things mm-hmm. the right way that way. This this might not be the best example because the player I'm going to bring up is like an NFL caliber talent, but Deuce Robinson, you know him? Yeah. He's, he's a tight end. For those who don't know, he's a high schooler. He's a tight end prospect, like a five-star football player, recently committed to Southern California, and like definitely could be an NFL talent. He's also a really good baseball player, and I was talking to his dad about like how he's balanced both of those things, because when, when he's working on football and when he's doing workouts to get stronger for football, it's kind of the peak season for travel ball, so yeah. he didn't have a lot of exposure on the baseball circuit, and he was at a few events and did really well and his tools are obvious, the athleticism is obvious and so MLB scouts are kind of trying to balance their lack of looks with him versus the upside and how just freakish he is as an athlete and like not everyone is going to have the elite um, like schedule that that a guy like Deuce Robinson has Uh, but just hearing about how he is trying to balance two sports at an elite level there's just a lot of things you have to either sacrifice or just miss out on um, if you're taking both seriously, because you, yeah. you can't give 100% commitment to both. And I think that there are certainly some cons that come with that, but he's also well-positioned to play at the next level for multiple sports. Yeah. So it's tricky.
0: Yeah, I mean, if you're a freak show, that certainly helps. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> um, but, yeah, I mean, like, I don't know. For for me, what I'm trying to do, like, I, it's interesting to see it now because I've, like, played – sports at the high school level played at the college level and Mm -hmm. then coached at the high school level coached at the college level and now i'm like in the performance side of things as a parent yeah um so like i mean the biggest thing that i'm focused on with my kids right now like there's six and four like they're not (laughs) elite athletes or anything um (laughs) But I'm trying to give him like, hey, we're going to play everything. Like, mm-hmm. we're going to go
1: outside and play. You're going to swing. You're going to jump on the trampoline. You're going to do jumping jacks. You're going to learn how to hula hoop. Like, yeah. I want you to be have body awareness. I think that's awesome. Yeah. I think if I could go back and change one thing, I would have played other sports. Because, again, like, I fell in love with baseball very early, and that's all I wanted to do is play yeah. baseball. And the only reason that I played football is because you basically forced me to go. <laughs> you said, I remember distinctly, you are like, just, I know you like baseball. I know. Like, and there was a resistance for me to playing football because, like, I'm a senior. I've never played. Like, yeah. all these kids have played football their whole life. I'm going to go get beat up. <laughs> You're like, just come to one practice. Yeah. If you don't like it, you can go. And I went, and it was a lot of fun. Yeah. I was like, this is cool. And so if I could go back, I definitely would have played more sports. Cause I think I would have had a lot of benefits in baseball, which yeah. would still probably have been the number one for me. But I could have been a much better baseball player, potentially, right. if I had done some other things, maybe.
0: Yeah. Yeah, I mean, that's, like I said, that's my goal with the young, especially with as young as they are now, is like, Mm -hmm. hey, we're going to play soccer, we're going to play golf, we're going to play basketball, we're going to do everything that we can, Mm -hmm. and then, you know, maybe in, I don't know, late elementary, middle school, we
1: narrow it down to maybe, like, three. What do you do, um, so what is your thinking on, like, if they don't want to play something? Like, because I don't have kids, so I've not had to think about this, like, are you, are you, like, you have to try this, or, like, what is your, what is your, like, balance of, like, if they just hate something? You yeah. try it once and you don't have to? Or, like, what? what's your balance there? Like, how do you, how do you figure <laughs> out, like, forcing them into something and having them be well-rounded versus them pursuing, like, what they actually, or are they even too young to realize what they really like? They're to probably too young to realize right now. Yeah. Um, so, right now, it's, like, it's
0: force-feeding. Yeah. You know? Like, I want to expose you to as many things as you want. Mm-hmm. Um, and if, usually, I can talk them into doing something. Um, both of them, if I give them, like, enough notice, yeah. then I can, like, work through it. Yeah. Um, I've lived through this, so yeah, yeah. definitely. Yeah. People to do <laughs> um Yeah, so like my oldest is very like calculated with everything that she yeah. does. Um so I have to tell her like well in advance, she'll immediately get upset mm-hmm. and then well there it go. And then a couple of days later I'll be like, All right, we're gonna readjust this again. Mm-hmm. Um and that's how it was with basketball. And eventually, like, I was like, All right, well, i told her long before the season like hey we're gonna play basketball this year mm-hmm. she's like i don't want to play basketball i don't blah, 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 blah. I was like all right well let's just think about it we'll talk about it later yeah a few weeks later same thing um and then finally she was like daddy can we go practice basketball outside yeah. and i'm like all right That's yeah awesome. i'm like all right well listen if i'm let's go to the store and i'll buy you a basketball so we got her like let her pick out a basketball pink pink mm-hmm. and green around <laughs> um got a basketball goal starts shooting loves it and i was like all right for the season we're gonna go buy some shoes." Mm-hmm. so we go we buy the basketball shoes. So yeah. now she's got the shoes and the ball. She's ready. So this is the key just buy, buy fun things. Yes. And have them yes. It's about it. all about money. Just <laughs> buy your kids everything. Yeah. Um, but yeah, and, and she loved it. Um, my middle one is kind of similar in, in certain ways. Mm-hmm. Um, but she's very hard headed. Like if she doesn't want to do it, she will not do it. Yeah. Like there's not, you're not going to make her, she's it's just not going to do it. a child syndrome, I guess. Yes, she is that. Um, but it was the same thing. Like, Earlier this week, I was like, hey, you want to come play golf with me Mm -hmm. on whatever day it was? Uh, And she was like, no, I don't want to play golf. I was like, you love golf. And she's like, no, I don't want to play golf. (laughs) And then last night, she was like, Daddy, can we go play golf? Yeah, there you go. (laughs) Uh, So, I don't know. For me, every kid's obviously different. Every situation's different. Every parent's different. I've been around sports my whole life. So, I think that Mm -hmm. I'm going to make them play something. Um, I think there's a lot of value to being on a team. Yeah. Um, like ideally for me, they would do an individual sport like golf, tennis, swimming, something like that, mm-hmm. because I think mentally there's a huge value in being able to like you can't rely on anybody else. Like this yeah. is you by yourself. You have to be able to handle stuff. Yeah. Um, and I think there's a lot of value to that, but there's also a lot of value to be on a team as well. Absolutely. So I I would like them to play
1: both, even if one's just like somewhat recreationally or just yeah. That's a good call on the, the individual sport. I never really thought about it like that, but you you have to kinda of learn different skills for that. Yeah. And baseball in some ways is kind of you get a little bit of both because of baseball when you're hitting. Right. It's kind of yeah. like you're pitching none or of your teammates can help you out when you're hitting or yeah. when you're pitching. even your on ball. like defensive plays, yeah. like it's a lot of individual actions that are making up yeah. a team game, but still collectively yeah. you have to win. So it's it's a lot different than football, whereas like you need a lot of like teamwork within people. But yeah, everything players, has to go like, right exactly yeah, yeah that, that's that's a good, a good yeah. point. I mean I, I would like them to do that
0: um, and then yeah like if they want to do other stuff on top of that um,
1: I just think there's so much value in sport that you can't get yeah. anywhere else I think with, like discipline and work ethic are two big ones too yeah. in addition to just learning how to like work with other people and how yeah. part of a team they're just super valuable like even if you're never going to do anything with sports like a lot of the lessons you learn from from playing sports it's yeah. just super valuable 100% um, i don't yeah. think people that are listening to this probably they probably, take probably know that already for granted yeah, yeah. <laughs> um
0: no i think you're absolutely right because uh, i'm like i've been around people and families that just didn't play sports for whatever reason, and yeah. like for the most part they don't handle things as well mm-hmm. like bad situations bad stuff that happens um adversity like if you've never been through it it's hard to it's hard to understand how to handle it but in yeah. sports like you're you're going to be in adversity at some point. Yes, absolutely. Um, like, you're going to be forced into that. So, yeah, I mean, I, I'm, I'm going to make them do something uh, for a while. Like, again, I think ideally between now and the end of elementary school, like, they're playing everything. Yeah. You know, like, as many sports as I can get them to do. Um, like, Lyle's done gymnastics, soccer, basketball, golf. Mm-hmm.
1: Um, yeah kudos to you nate because i feel like a lot of those sports are probably pretty agonizing to oh watch god this it's day. terrible <laughs> it's terrible i love my kids but it is <laughs> tough to watch yeah.
0: uh kids basketball games. <laughs> um yeah so that's the plan right now and then like i said you know elementary middle if they want to narrow it i still want them to play multiple but if they want to narrow it down to like three mm-hmm. or two then you will do that and then you know maybe when they get to sophomore year of high school, junior yeah. year of high school. If you're really good at one thing, mm-hmm. let's do one thing. But even still, like <laughs> if I'm an elite high school football player, like you should run track. Yeah. Absolutely. You should
1: absolutely run track. And you should probably wrestle. You mm-hmm. should do all three things. I'm curious, and I don't mean to take you on a tangent here, but when do you think athletes should start getting serious about weight training? Because I never really got serious about weight training until like junior or senior year when we actually got a good weight training coach at yeah. the high school and I was just exposed to it for the first time. Yeah. But again, this was another thing where I like never thought about, never took it seriously. I think we even like joked with one of the kids on our team who started doing CrossFit before CrossFit was really yeah. popular. We were like, what are you doing? <laughs> well, these <Jared>. stupid motion, <laughs> these motions. Like, but it turned out like he was onto something there. Yeah. Do you think there's a risk of getting into that too early or no? Because I don't, you're in this world and I, I'm yeah. curious like when you think people should start Yes. taking that seriously like overloading like all of this kind of stuff so i get that question
0: probably more frequently than any other question yeah um i don't think it's possible to do it too early mm-hmm. if it's done correctly Yep. right so like for my guys when they come in like i'm with them pretty exclusively for the most part i'm not one-on-one with them the whole time necessarily for most kids mm-hmm. um but i'm at least monitoring what they're doing and programming all their stuff um like, if they're doing it correctly and they have, and you're moving well, mm-hmm. then there's no reason to not start. Yep. Um, like, my six-year-old will come in here and squat a PVC pipe. Yeah. Um, there used to be that myth of, like,
1: oh, well, if you start too early, you're going to stunt growth. And exactly. Like, there's zero science behind that. Like, I remember hearing that in middle school and yeah. high school. Like, oh, you can't, I, I even think there might have been limits in, like, who could use the, the weight room in yeah. high school. Like, oh, it's too dangerous. You can't yeah. do it.
0: Yeah. So. I mean, like. Everything has changed, but there's like, there's zero science behind that. Like yeah. there's people talk about like growth plates and all this crap. <laughs> and it's like, that has nothing to do with weightlifting if you're mm-hmm. doing it correctly. Um, that last part is probably the critical piece. Yes. Doing it correctly. <laughs> yes. Um, yes. You can absolutely do it wrong and mm-hmm. get a kid hurt and ruin a kid's career yep. very early on if you do it wrong. Um, but I'm 28, nine years old and I could go do something wrong right now. Correct. And myself, so. Right. Yeah. Um, I think the biggest thing that I try to do or that I tell parents when they are asking me about it is like. A, I'm never gonna one rep max your kid. So yep. We're never gonna do that. Um, like I have middle school, high school, college kids. Mm-hmm. I have I worked with over hundred kids at this gym. I've maxed one rep max two of them yeah. since I've been here. Uh, one just one rep max yesterday for the first time, and that's because he has a double body weight back squat. And the other one was 24 years old, was a military guy, and had a 500 pound back squat. So yeah. he can one rep max. <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean the one rep max stuff through middle school, high school is a waste of time other than mm-hmm. the kids get excited about it. Yeah. Um, so there, I mean, we'll do it occasionally when I work with some high school kids, uh, like a group of high school kids at a school or whatever, we may want to rep max a bench press or something. And they get yeah. hyped about that. Probably worth um, it just to
1: get them excited about lifting. Yeah. Yeah.
0: yeah. So there's, there's a, an element of that. Um, mm-hmm. but no, I mean, we, like I have nine year olds that come in here and get after it, you yeah, know? and they That's know awesome. what they're doing. Um, they move well, they squat well, they get strong, the biggest thing, the biggest benefit, I think, for the younger ones uh, is just their confidence. Yeah. Right? Like, they start to feel stronger. They know they're putting in more work than other kids. And the way that they, like, communicate with you as an adult changes. The yeah. way they communicate with their
1: parents changes. Um, it, it seems like, too, and correct me if I'm wrong, but it seems like learning how your body moves in space, like, you, the feedback loop you get from weightlifting it, like I learned more about like how my body moved when I started seriously yeah. lifting, and that is a massive benefit in whatever Huge. sport you're playing. Huge benefit, like just being able to make mechanical tweaks once you know how your body moves and yeah. like what what you need to do to get into certain positions. Like that's a massive benefit. Yeah, regardless, learning how to use baseball. leverage and that kind of stuff. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Yeah.
0: Um Yeah, so a lot of what like I try to do with my guys is. Again, everything I do is focused around athleticism. Like, if I can make you a better athlete, you're going to be better at whatever sport. I don't mm-hmm. care. I don't do sports-specific training. I don't do any of that crap. Yeah. I'll do some accessories maybe. Um, like, if you're a, I don't know, heavy rotational athlete, we might do some more rotational throws and stuff. But other mm-hmm. than that, I don't do any really sport specific stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, but, yeah, I mean, just learning how to move your body through space is a big one. Um, not doing a whole bunch of silly, crazy stuff that doesn't really help you. Mm-hmm. Um, like, I see so many different crazy ladder drills and hurdle drills, and, and like, there's a place for all that. But it's like, if your kid can't like squat down to sit correctly, then I'm not like, who cares how fast they go through a ladder? Um, there's just not that they benefit. see like
1: the combine that yeah. they want to do, okay? Yeah,
0: or you see stuff, you see Instagram videos of like Derek Henry, uh, uh, yeah. right, doing like, yeah. A squat on a Bosu ball with like a chain, like a chain around his neck. Oh, I, was no. like, oh, I should be doing that. Yeah. I was like, listen,
1: I guess that's like kids replicating Steph Curry shooting yeah. for 35 feet. Like, right. he can do that. It's ruining the sport. <laughs> yeah. Um, I was
0: like, yeah, when, you, when you're when you 6'4 and 260 and you squat a house, then yeah, yeah we'll do some more lateral drills yeah. and we'll stand on a Bosu ball if you want. But like, those guys are trying to find like the most minute
1: advantage. Of course. Right? Because once you get there, yeah, you, you are looking for those like. Percentile yeah, the 0.1%. percentile make a difference in yeah. your level. But for the general population, right. it's like, just completely unnecessary. Get strong. Exactly. Like, just get strong, and that will change everything that you do. Yeah, 100%.
0: So a lot of the stuff we'll do that I like with the younger kids, we'll do a lot of single-leg stuff because um, most of them, like, not necessarily have, like, physical strength imbalances, but their brain doesn't know how to use their other foot yep. or their other arm. Um, so we'll do a lot of single-arm, single-leg stuff. Uh, we do a lot of stuff where we're moving through space. Um mm-hmm. So lunges, box step ups with weights in different places and that kind of stuff. Yeah. Um, rotational stuff, but yeah, it's just to give them a feel for what they're doing. Um, and when once they like start to see the progress, then mm-hmm. it's they're either hooked or they're quitting. One of the
1: two. Interesting. Um, I, I would be like seeing that progress and then not wanting to do it anymore. I guess if, if they like because get it gets the harder. They want, yeah. Because it gets harder, right? Gotcha. So I, like most of the kids. <laughs> I don't know if I should even say this on the podcast,
0: but <laughs> <laughs> most of my kids, when they the younger ones, like nine to twelve, mm-hmm. when they come in, that first month is awful for yeah. them. Like, none of them can move. They're crying like once yeah. a week. They're year the They've been like challenging that. Yeah, way. yeah. But, but it's little stuff. It's like, oh, the bar hurts my back. Yeah. It's like, can I have a pad? <laughs> no, no, you can't. <laughs> like, you're just oh, gonna right. have to deal with the bar on your back. Like, yeah. you gotta be able to handle that. Um, or like doing pull-ups, Oh, my hands hurt. Well, <laughs> I, sorry. Like, <laughs> you know? That's so good. Um or yeah, it's the first time, like we'll push them in a, like a tempo run thing where they're doing conditioning. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's not even super hard. They can yeah. all do it. It's just mentally like, yeah, running, feeling running tired. sucks for everyone. <laughs> oh, for sure. I hate it. My least favorite thing. Yeah. Um, but we'll do tempo runs like, Hey, we're going to run a hundred yards every minute for eight minutes. Mm-hmm. Right. Which every single kid that comes in here can do. Um, But it's just the mental part of like, I'm really tired and I have to keep going. Yes. Um, And just like developing that takes at at least a month, usually, sometimes two months, depending Mm -hmm. on the kid. Um, And yeah, at that point, they're either like, I'm done. I don't do this anymore because it's hard or Or they get hooked. Yeah. Or they get hooked. Yeah. Um, Like I've got, there's a kid in here right now who he's almost 10. He's been in here for a year and a half. Mm -hmm. And like a few weeks ago, he had his like 200th workout. And I was like, dude, you're not, you're nine years old and you've had 200 workouts.
1: Yeah. The the amount of like benefit he's going to see from that is kind of hard to even. Right. That's what I, me and his dad talk about it all the time. Like he doesn't understand it, but I was like, dude, I didn't have 200 workouts the entirety of my high school career. Right. Like actual. That's crazy. I was like, like, dude, you're going to walk into a high school weight room and you're going to have
0: probably 2,000 workouts under your belt. Yeah. Like, walking in. Think about how far you're going to be ahead. Because I work with a high school team right now, and a bunch of those freshmen have never been in a weight room. Not one time.
1: I'm trying to think legitimately the first time that I was in an actual weight room. It was in high school. It It was not before that.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I didn't either, really. My dad bought a weight set when I was a kid, when I was in, like, 7th or 8th grade, but I never used it. It was in the basement. I was like, I'm not doing that. There's a pool table (laughs) down there and a TV. What am (laughs) am I going to do with (laughs) a weight room? Um, So... Yeah, I mean, the the advantage that they have is enormous. Mm -hmm. Um, Because really, like, for the first 8 to 12 weeks, they're not even getting stronger yet. They don't understand it. So it's like, there's like a period of time where your brain has to figure out how to move weight. And it's, you're just using the muscle you already have. So, like, that 8 to 12 week mark is usually, like, when kids figure it out, right? And then after that, now we're starting to get stronger. Mm.
1: I'm curious for you as a coach, is that that age I could see it either being really positive because there are just no habits that have been developed yet, or also like it maybe is like really difficult to get them to learn basics? Like, is there a yeah? The body awareness is the hard part.
0: Yeah. Um, they don't necessarily have any bad habits, but they also don't know how to like take a verbal cue and do it. Mm-hmm.
1: Like, you or I can look at a video and see a movement and yeah. be like, all right, I can do you probably have a lot similar of different to like shortcuts and ways to like cue themselves. Like yeah. You have to I don't even know what, all the things you would have to do, but I feel like you have to get pre creative with, like, how you're queuing them. To, yeah, to and I, like,
0: I'm YouTubing that crap all the time, yeah. you know, because the stuff that works with one kid may be totally over another kid's head. Yeah, um, yeah. so there's a lot of stuff, like, learning how to keep, the biggest one I think for me is, like, a kid learning how to keep their back flat. Like, when mm-hmm. they go down and to like, try to pick something up off mm-hmm. the floor, like a deadlift or a trap bar deadlift or something, yeah. like, no awareness of like the straightness of their back yeah and uh, it's, just have them watch a toddler do it it's crazy yeah yeah right my kid will come in here and squat down and i'm like do that yeah do that but they can't i mean and they'll go down and like grab the trap bar and then look at me and be like is this right I'm like, does that feel right like do you feel like your back's flat because uh, you look like a turtle um but they just they don't i don't know how to like really yeah. teach that um like i have some cues and stuff um, you know that I'll use for stuff like that, but mm-hmm. yeah, just learning how to, hey, like squeeze your lats. Like, yeah. how do I, how do I do that? Like, I don't know. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, the the cues and stuff are hard. I think it's definitely made me a better coach. Like, I would, I'm much yeah, better now with that. like coaching adults now, just because I have different cues that I can use. Yep. Um, but yeah, it's 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 a challenge. But then again, not having bad habits is huge. I'd rather have a kid like that than have yeah, somebody who's squatted bad for you know, yep. eight years and having to fix it because mm-hmm. uh, it's so much harder and they're probably having balances and injuries and mm-hmm. like none of these kids are injured ever. Yep. So you that's can huge. pretty much do anything with them. <laughs> um, yeah. I mean the other interesting thing with training kids is like because they have no training age, anything that you do is going to make them better. Yeah. Um, so I think that's where a lot of strength coaches get lazy and because like you can literally do anything with them and mm-hmm. they're going to get better Yeah. but are you doing what's best for them yeah. in the long run um so that's why you can get away with oh well he did ladder drills for 6 months and he got faster <laughs> yes. it's like well he had never done anything <laughs> until that so yes, yes well, he mainly was. he was just running for 6 months right. so like yeah. yeah yeah um so yeah so stuff like that is frustrating cuz you you see kids that'll go to the you know first health or somewhere like that and just do some random stuff they found on YouTube and it's like Oh, I'm getting better. It's like, mm-hmm. well, yeah, but you hadn't done anything before, so yes, you are going to get a little yeah, it's marginally a low, low bar to clear. Yeah, first, yeah. Um, so that, I mean, that's something you have to try to fight because, and I have to continually kind of look back through stuff that I've done with kids and have data points and everything. But mm-hmm. it's like trying to f- make sure that you're still doing like what's best for that kid, absolutely. Um, like again, in the long term, and it's hard because like the first, again, eight to twelve weeks for them is boring, like mm-hmm. super boring. Like, hey, every Monday we're going to do this. Every Tuesday we're going to do this. Every Thursday we're going to do this. Um, and we're just going to add a little bit of weight each time. We're going to do yeah. the same lifts, same exact thing. We're just going to add a little bit of weight. Yeah. Um, it's and it's funny super how that's boring.
1: boring for younger kids, but like now for, for me going to the gym, I love doing that. Yeah. Just, just right. Just <laughs> yeah. And adding a little more. The adding a little more is the fun part. Yeah. And and they, they see that,
0: but it's like eventually they're like, coach, can we please do something <laughs> yes. else? I don't want to do the same goblin squat again. Yeah. Um, so I mean, yeah. So there's times where like, hey, we'll throw in a, a Flex Friday, like a bodybuilding thing for mm-hmm. him, and it's not really helping them at all. But they like it's it, keeping them engaged, yeah. keeping them
1: motivated. Yeah.
0: Yeah. So stuff like that. Um, but then like this this nine year old now, it's got 200 plus workouts in. Like he's doing much more advanced style workouts, like supersets and different contrast trainings and stuff like that. Yeah. And it's dumbed down for, for him a little bit. But it's still like. Fairly advanced training techniques yeah. for a kid that's that's awesome ten years old, you know, uh, and he's starting to feel it. He was a baseball player that just switched he's over football. to football. What, what sports too? Yeah. yeah, he started with baseball. He came in as a baseball player, and then literally, I think as he started to get stronger, he yeah. was like, "I really want to hurt people." See like, baseball players, it lose all our right? athletes. That's right. <laughs> um, I think he'll go back, maybe. Yeah, um, but yeah, I mean, that's that's the challenging part with with the little ones. With the high school kids, it's like a getting them to come in consistently. Yeah. That's the hard part, especially during the summer. Um, and then trying to work around what they're doing. If they are working
1: out at school, what they're doing at school. Yeah, the mixed programming I could see being a That's real hard. annoyance for yeah. you like especially if if just completely different programs, you're not on the same page or yeah. they're just kind of doing random stuff like yeah. trying to keep them on on track and keep them healthy and safe. Yeah. It seems like it would be a real challenge.
0: Yeah, I mean, so what we've, what I've done in the past, like, football is a little bit easier um, because, of, like, they're on a little bit more structure. So they'll come in and say, you know, I'll have kids that will text me and be like, hey, today we did heavy front squat, light bench, and whatever else. And I'll I, I kind of just program the opposite. Like, if you did a heavy bench in school, then maybe we'll do light close grip bench or light dumbbell bench, yeah. and we'll do it for reps. Um, and that seemed to work pretty well in the past, and it keeps people fairly healthy. Mm-hmm. Um but the big issue I have with those guys is, like, in-season stuff. Yeah. Like, just the amount of conversations I've had to have with parents about, like, in-season training. Like, you have to train in-season. Mm-hmm. You have to. Um, and they just, they won't do it. And they're like, oh, we don't have time and blah, blah, blah. I'm like, you do, though. Like, yeah. <laughs> people say that all the time. But yeah. even just, like, a general population person working out, like, oh, I don't have time. You do, though. You do. Yeah, yeah you do. You're doing something in that time that you're just prioritizing more. That's, right.
1: That's all it comes down to. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Um, but that's hard, and then you got coaches that don't want them lifting during the season and all this stuff. And mm-hmm. it's like, show me one elite athlete that doesn't lift during the season. Mm-hmm. Like, show me one professional program,
1: college program mm-hmm. that doesn't lift during the season. Yeah, it's kind of crazy how that just these things that people say just become like fact, facts. Yeah, yeah. And a lot of these, it's like even even when I was playing, I remember all these. Like, yeah, you can't do certain things in season. We never even thought to go look up like the research on it, yeah, and see what the actual yeah. studies say. So, my
0: coach told me, "Well, Keep uh, fighting this fight, Nate. yeah. I mean, when I was growing up, it was like, Don't never squat below parallel because it's bad for your knees. I remember hearing that, there's, there's zero science behind that. Like, that <laughs> makes no sense. Like, why does that make sense? Well, it gets hard once you get there. That's right, so. yes, it does get more challenging.
1: The one I like is, um, they were told you you're not supposed to bend over to breathe. Right. You heard of that? Yeah. yeah, one? yeah. <laughs> to like rest or whatever? Yeah. Like yeah. you need to keep your hands over your head, stand up straight. And like, I think the opposite is true. Like, right. you just need to be in whatever position is. Easiest you can relax. To breathe. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So you can relax. They're like, you're going to open your diaphragm. Like, yeah. No,
0: your diaphragm opens when you breathe. Like, that's, <laughs> that's when your diaphragm opens. When your lungs, your, your lungs open your diaphragm, not your body position. Oh, man. Yeah. The stuff that you're right. The stuff that people say just becomes fact somehow. And mm-hmm. I don't. That's the fight that you have to fight all the time. Yeah. Like, I. I literally had two separate conversations this year. I had a, a nine-year-old, maybe an eight-year-old, eight or nine-year-old parent come in and ask me if it was too late for their kid to start a new sport. Mm. Yeah. if like they wanted to start far playing lacrosse or something. <laughs> I was like,
1: "Your kid's how old?" And she was like, "Nine." And I was That's like, "Crazy, nine-year-old." I guess that does speak to just how like specialized people are getting. It's their crazy so young, and yeah. like if you think that oh, you had to have been playing since whenever you could start this initially, yeah. like. Yeah, that's, that's
0: wild. I mean, she, had, and then like literally, so they asked me that. It was like a nine, it was an eight or nine year old lacrosse parent or wanted to be a lacrosse player because I was training a lacrosse team. That's what it was. Mm-hmm. And they were like, yeah, my kid's eight. Do you think it's too late for him to start playing lacrosse? And I was like, he's eight. That's insane." I'm like, no. <laughs> and then another parent came in that was like a parent of a 14 year old. Mm-hmm. was like, do you think it's too early for them to start working out? And I was like, This kid's nine. Like, (laughs) do you see this group over here? Like, this nine to 12-year-old. Oh, man. Um, And I was like, this is what's wrong with our culture right now, is that we have eight-year-olds that think it's too late to start playing something, and we have high schoolers that think it's too early to start lifting. (laughs) It's nuts, man. Yeah. Um, And like I said, I don't see it getting better unless, like, some facilities start to come out that change that narrative. Yeah. Well that's what you gotta do for us. That's the plan, but it's like <laughs> I don't have any money either. So that's <laughs> a problem. I need some more people to listen to the podcast so I make money. Yeah. Um yeah, so let's end it on uh, kind of a fun I always try to end it on a fun thing. Okay. Um so our fun question is going to be since you're a baseball guy,
1: all right. top three baseball movies of all time. Oh okay. So the one, the first one that always comes to mind, and I don't know if it would hold up as well, but The Sandlot. Sandlot it's just a classic. Yeah. So that was the one that I always loved as a kid. So I have to put that number one. Um, number two, I'm going to go with the original Major League. Okay. Um, you know the That's Oakland. Before Def- your time. Yeah, a lot. I mean, a lot of the best baseball movies, I feel like, are before my time. I was, I was born in '94, and th- there are probably more baseball movies that are good that were made before '94 than after. You're so young. Um, and the Oakland Athletics are doing like a real life Major League in, in baseball right now, getting out of Oakland and going to Vegas. So oh, yeah, that, there one's, you go. that one's relevant. Yeah, I think that's maybe one of the funniest. And then my third one. Okay, so the two that I'm thinking of are Moneyball, okay. uh, with Brad Pitt. I think that's just that one always. Uh, it, it's different than all the other ones I'm going to mention because it's less humorous and it's more like
0: yeah.
1: it makes me feel nostalgic about baseball for some way. And right. then um, the other one would be Bad News Bears.
0: Ooh, okay. So I didn't expect that. Bad, uh,
1: Bad News Bears is one that gets—I feel like it gets a little bit slept on. It does. Um, but th- you know the the kind of the humorous baseball movies always feel like the the best. So if if I had to pick three, I think I might do Bad News Bears over Moneyball. But if you'll let me have them tied, <laughs> I'll do that. <laughs> that's impressive. I was not expecting you to come out
0: with uh, with Major League or Bad News Bears. Which which three? Sandlot. Are you I expected. Sandlot? Yeah. Oh, Sandlot. I exactly. expected. Moneyball. I expected. Um, And then I was kind of expecting Field of Dreams. You know, I don't. Um,
1: that one doesn't. Like, I might have to go rewatch it again, but that one not I don't just know why never, I expected that. But it never. Well, that's a classic. Yeah. That one and Bull Durham are two classics that yeah, I don't really. They don't have a special place in my heart compared to the others. That's interesting. Yeah. Think Maybe that's a flaw with me personally. <laughs> Personal
0: flaw for sure. <laughs> I think my three, I think Sandlot would also be my number one. Yeah,
1: th- I don't I don't know what it is about Sandlot. Because I think if we watch it right now and we'd never seen it, we yeah. would be a little confused. Probably. But, but if you watch it as a kid, like... It's so... Yeah, it's just one of those elite nostalgia movies. Yeah. That, yeah. There's so many, like, good one-liners in exactly. it. And, yeah, yeah. Just okay, scenes, scenes that you remember. So that's both of our number ones?
0: I think so. Okay. I think that's my number one. Nice. My number two is For Love of the Game. Okay. With Kevin Costner. Yeah. I love that movie. When did that one come out? Oof. Uh, had to be, like, maybe late 90s. Okay. Early 2000s. Okay. That's a complete guess. I may be wrong. <laughs> um, but I remember watching it. Uh, but I loved it because it was, like, his... Like it went through the game but then it had like the flashbacks of his life and like how he got mm-hmm. to where he was at. I thought that was cool. Um yeah, and then the third one I, I think I think it would be between Field of Dreams and Major League would probably be.
1: Okay. Um it just kinda depends on what mood I'm in. Yeah. You know? You have to be more of like an analytics nerd to appreciate Moneyball or to enjoy. Yeah. It.
0: I think I've only seen it one time to be honest.
1: Yeah. Um and I remember like Jonah Hill in it more than yeah. Brad Pitt. Jonah Hill was great in it, yeah. I thought. So, um, so what is your what is your all time sports movie? Because I have mine, and it's not a baseball movie, which might surprise you. I don't know if that does or not. Uh, my all time sports movie is probably Remember the Titans. Okay, that would be close. I me. love that movie. Mine is Friday Night Lights.
0: Yeah, same. Movie, That's a good one.
1: The TV show I hate, but really, uh, I don't hate it. I thought it. When they stopped doing football, I was like, "Okay, I'm less interested." Yeah. There's a lot of drama. Yeah. But Friday the first, Night like, Lights three the seasons movie, were really good. I feel like Friday Night Lights the movie perfectly captures like how sad it is once you're done. Yeah, and it's crushing. Yeah, if 100%. you want to hurt,
0: watch Friday Night Lights. Right. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. Our football career didn't really end quite like that. <laughs> um, but I was thinking about it like that year, your senior year. Uh, we made the playoffs in football, mm. and lost Cleveland, right, first
1: round. Yeah, and. Uh, Actually, just making the playoffs and losing the first round was a really good outcome for yeah. us because we, we'd we gone were through bad for them. a long I mean, time. I wasn't on the team, so I was more on the outside, like making fun of all my friends who played football. But <laughs> yeah, it was, a, it was a good year for I think we were in around, what, like 500 yeah. in the season and then went to playoffs? Yeah. Yeah, we played well, and we played Cleveland, who we played in the last game. We had to play them again. We played them twice for yeah. whatever reason. And and we, we, we forgot our footballs. Yeah. Remember that? Yep. I also Pre-game, remember I was somehow in charge of blitzing in one of those games, oh, and it did yeah. not work out. Yeah. Because tackling with. Put you at free safety. Attack. It's not a great spot. <laughs>
0: I remember talking to the coach and be like, "Listen, you can't put Carlos on defense." I told him when he came here that he was just going to play for me. I had to, <laughs> I I very quickly had to play both ways because I someone
1: someone on our team got
0: kicked off the team. <laughs> oh yeah, that's right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I forgot about that. Um, yeah, so that like that year, I was coaching girls basketball. Mm-hmm. We won the conference and went to the third round. Yeah. And lost. Baseball went to the third round, lost. Man, we really couldn't get it done. No, third round was rough, dude. And then third round And then I was thinking about it on the way here. When you helped me coach at Grace, we made it to the third round and lost.
1: We made it to the third round? Mm-hmm. Wow. Because we can... hosted the first two rounds, and then we went to Statesville Man. and lost at Statesville. Man, you really messed up getting me to help coach that team, Nate. I knew nothing no. about basketball at that time. Dude, no. <laughs> <laughs> I needed somebody that would no, that was at least know fun. the fundamentals and treat people the right way and not be an idiot. Maybe one of these days one of the teams we care about will get beyond the third round. Yeah, I was be like, nice. the third round apparently is just the spot where we can't get past. Yeah.
0: Um, but, yeah, man, I appreciate you coming on, driving down. I know you got a bunch going on with some baseball stuff and get ready for the draft. So yeah, appreciate man. you coming. This was a in.
1: blast. This was a lot of fun. Thanks for having me.
0: Yeah, man, we'll do it again soon. Thanks for listening to the Unlocking Athletes podcast. If you liked what you heard, give us a follow, comment, and review. If you are or know of an athlete that truly has the desire to maximize their potential, please follow at EAX underscore Athlete Academy and send us a message. We do in-person and remote training for athletes in any sport and would love an opportunity to be a part of your journey. Until next time, be an example you want others to follow, be intentionally grateful every single day, and be the hardest worker in the room. Let's have a day.